Hello and welcome to the Decorum Talking newspaper for the week ending the 12th of February 2022. A belated Happy New Year from us at Team 5. This is David and your other reader this week are Susan, Mark and Jeremy. As usual, our items are taken from the local Gazette and Express covering Hemel Hempstead, Berkhamsted and Tring. So all telephone numbers are on the local code of 01442, unless it says otherwise. For those of you with computers, our website address is dtnhemel.org.uk. Front page headline of this week's paper reads... Hundreds more homes on the way, question mark. More on this and other stories now follows. Hello, this is Susan. A 7.4-acre site near Hemel Hempstead Railway Station could bring more than 450 new homes to the town, plus new shops and better facilities for passengers. A development partner is now being sought to create a new, vibrant residential community on the site which also has room for 40,000 square feet of commercial space. London and Continental Railways, LCR, and Network Rail, who are bringing the site to market, say the site's proximity to the station gives it unrivalled connectivity and transport links, and it sits close to key local amenities, including supermarkets, restaurants and cafes, leisure facilities, schools and nurseries. It also backs on to Blackbirds Moor, a popular walking destination, part of the Chilterns area of outstanding natural beauty and home to the Boxmoor Cricket Club. Hello, this is Mark. Andrew Ferguson, Regional Director at LCR, said, After much hard work over the past 24 months, we're excited to have reached this next key project milestone as we implement our master plan and bring the site to market. Coupling easy access to London with open green spaces and high quality community assets, this site represents an unmissable opportunity to unlock new homes, commercial space and public value. JLL has been instructed to support the selection of a development partner. Sajid Ahmed, director at JLL said, We're delighted to bring such an exciting opportunity to the market and are seeking for a partner who shares LCR and Network Rail's vision and ambition for creating a new, vibrant residential community in Hemel Hempstead. LCR and Network Rail formed a partnership in 2018 to identify opportunities to free up underutilised land for residential development at and around stations across the rail network. Hello, this is Jeremy. The two organisations will work alongside landowners to pool or acquire the critical mass of land required for new development at every station before securing planning and bringing opportunities to market alongside other key government agencies, including Homes England. The partnership recognises the importance of a collaborative process in creating new, market-ready opportunities. Bringing together the unique and complementary skill sets of the public, private, rail and real estate sectors is key to unlocking development across these often complex brownfield sites. Nationally, 
LCR, owned by the Department for Transport, is working with local authorities to bring forward development around stations across the country. Hemel Hempstead has marked 75 years since being declared a new town. On February the 4th, 1947, it was chosen for expansion, coming in the re to the rescue of Londoners who were living in slum housing or whose homes had been bombed during World War II. An ambitious building programme began, and the first new town residents moved into their homes in Adyfield in 1950. They were visited by a young Queen Elizabeth II in 1952. Houses soon started to be built in Bennett's End, Chaldon and Warner's End, and in 1950, the first factory was built on Maylands. In 1952, Gadebridge was bought by the council and opened as a public park. Jellicoe's water gardens were also completed. In 1956, Lucas Rotax, later known as Lucas Aerospace, opened and became one of the area's major employers. The M1 opened in 1959, providing a gateway to London and the north. And in the 60s, the town started to develop beyond homes as the library, civic centre, police station, fire station, the college, court, health centre and the pavilion all opened their doors for the first time. The Nicky Line, now a popular walking and cycling route between Hemel and Harpenden, was closed and the railway bridge over Marlow's demolished. In 1965, the London to Euston Railway was electrified and the main train station rebuilt. The Conservative leader of Decorum Borough Council said, supporters stayed at home and voted with their feet in the wake of Partygate as Liberal Democrats extended their majority in two battleground wards. On Thursday, February the 3rd, the Lib Dems extended their lead in the wards of Berkhamsted West and Boxmoor, but put their success down to a strong local campaign with the controversy around Boris Johnson only providing a nudge on polling day. The two wards have often been safely conservatives since boundaries were redrawn in 2007 and are represented by two Tory MPs, but Liberal Democrats completed a sweep of all five district councillors in 2019. One councillor said the results cemented Berkhamsted as a Liberal Democrat town while council leader, councillor Andrew Williams, Conservative, Adyfield East, claimed voters were disillusioned with national politics rather than the local council. The two by-elections were called after Nicky Woolner, Berkhamsted West, and Liz Utley, Boxmoor, both left their roles at the start of November. Following their success, Liberal Democrats said issues with the local plan, concerns over local rivers and parking, were common themes amongst residents, although admitted national issues helped their cause. In Boxmoor, the Liberal Democrat candidate Simi Diani increased the party's vote share by 18%, winning votes off all three opposing parties. In Berkhamsted West, Anne Foster was elected with a 14% increase in vote share, 
which led to her fellow councillors to declare Berkhamsted a Lib Dem town. Anne Foster said it was mostly local issues that came up on the doorstep and said in Berkhamsted the priorities were in regards to traffic congestion, lack of infrastructure and concerns about the River Bulbourne. Councillor Laura Pringle, North Church Liberal Democrat, who led Miss Foster's campaign, said, it's quite interesting because there's a mix of issues. I think having such a fantastic local candidate was really key to our campaign. Anne's really well known around the town for doing work all around the town and has been for many years, so she got a tremendous amount of vote on that. But there were also a lot of people who were incredibly disillusioned with what was going on at a national level, and they certainly made their voices heard on the doorstep. Councillor Pringle added, I was talking about Anne and local issues. People were often responding on, on integrity in politics. So having a good local candidate who you can trust because you know was an advantage. All decorum councillors will be up for election in May 2020. And Councillor Pringle said, after the party are confident of maintaining the success. She added, I think it is encouraging for next year. I think we're sending a consistent message from Berkhamsted and Tring because this has been Liberal Democrat right since 2018. The Conservatives did try to fight back this time and we noticed they brought Home Secretary Pretty Patel to Berkhamsted Leisure Centre and I actually think the people of Berkhamsted sent a message that they will continue to vote Liberal Democrat. Berkhamsted now sees itself as a Liberal Democrat town. However, Councillor Williams said nothing can be drawn from the results and the Conservatives have a positive message ahead of next year's vote. He said, It's disappointing. We put on a good campaign with local issues, but I think we were affected by the national mood. In the circumstances, people are disillusioned. If people are disillusioned, it's very hard to get the local issues over. We've got a well-performing council, but local issues weren't coming up on the doorstep. People are disappointed. Undoubtedly, the low turnout reflects some of our support staying at home and as a protest. With the exception of the Lib Dems in Boxmore, every other party has gone down. Greens and Labour have suffered as well, so I think it's a protest vote. It's probably because people are a bit disillusioned and voted with their feet not to come out. It's a mid-term by-election, and it's hard to take anything from that. I think we've still got a positive message for decorum in 2023. Following her victory, Ms Diani said she was surprised by the size of her win, but there was huge support on the doorstep. She said she believed the increase in vote was a result of local policies rather than the national picture and said she wanted to restore a buzz to the village. Ms Diani, who manages a steakhouse in Boxmoor, added, There are two existing Lib Dem councillors in the ward, and I really want to join the hard work they're doing. There have been local issues, such as parking and streetlights, but I really want to work on some other areas, such as getting some buzz back on the Boxmoor High Street. At the moment, there isn't a lot going on, and I really want to get some proposals together. Anne Foster was also elected as the new town councillor for Berkhamsted Town Council 
in a by-election held at the same time as the District Council vote. A look now at this week's readers' letters, starting with this from Jay Batty of Berkhamsted. At a time when public confidence in our institutions and organisations is at an extremely low ebb, I was further dismayed to read the following request in West Hart's Health Trust's latest blueprint update on the redevelopment of its services. Note, our decision to retain our three sites was made some time ago. So whilst we welcome engagement, we respectfully ask that contributions reflect the current position. In other words, if you disagree with our plans, please do not bother us. Or, alternatively, provided you agree with us, we welcome your comments. Is this what public engagement has come to mean? Such a shameful example of authoritarianism does not augur well for the future of healthcare in our area. No wonder yet another CEO has announced plans to step down and the organisation intends to rebrand itself as West Hearts Teaching Hospitals, WHTH for short, thereby demoting the word trust. And from Ian C. Smith of Rensfield, Boxmoor, we chose this section. I was shocked to read that a number of banks will no longer offer free banking to small charities. Instead, they will be treated the same as charities with an income up to two million or as small businesses. The effect is that even if banks are still prepared to offer banking services to such small charities, they will have to pay for those services. One of the first to close these accounts was Nationwide Building Society, which makes great play of the fact that it is owned by its members and has no shareholders. Since 2015, Nationwide has closed all their treasurer's trust accounts, 94,000 in total. It is difficult to see what persuaded the members to accept the policy. For the half year to 30th of September 19, 2021, Nationwide's profit after tax was £685 million. Following Nationwide's policy, banks changed their rules to restrict or force the closure of these accounts. HSBC is now charging a monthly fee for all charities with a turnover of less than £100,000 and an additional fee for certain services such as lodging checks. HSBC Bank PLC and its subsidiaries have total assets of around £680 billion. And continuing Mr Smith's letter... Barclays announced that they would only accept applications from charities which did not have a bank, a bank account. They would not accept transfers from HBC. For the year to 31-12-21, its profits before tax was £1,521 NatWest and Santander will now only accept applications when there is one named individual already has an account with them. NatWest is part of a group with assets of £390 billion, and for the nine months to 30th of September 20, 2021, Santander's profits after tax 
was one billion eight and eighty-eight million. Lodge is not accepting transfers from the other banks, but will open accounts for charities which do not have an existing account. Its profits after tax for 2020 were one billion three hundred eighty-seven million. With the figures quoted above, I fail to see how these banks can complain that they cannot afford to maintain these charity accounts. We return to more local news. Enviro officers introduced by Decorum Borough Council have been branded overzealous by a man stung by a fine. Lee Phillips from Hemel Hempstead was issued a fixed penalty notice in the town centre. But he has criticised the officer's approach and says they're not being fair and accusing people when they have not witnessed them commit an offence. Decorum Borough Council says the officers and fixed penalty notices are in line with the council's commitment to make the borough a cleaner and safer place to live, work and visit. Lee said, I was having a cigarette when two officers came over and claimed that I'd thrown my cigarette butt on the floor and they were going to fine me £80. This was grossly incorrect and I would never litter, especially in front of my family. These officers, in front of everyone in the town, treated me like a criminal and were so not discreet that it was mortifying, especially when I hadn't done anything wrong. He added, I'm not a wealthy man, and as such, I'm not stupid enough to risk £80 on lazy littering. Lee says he's also been told of other incidents where the officers have been incorrect or too quick to confront members of the public. He says his son was also accused of throwing a cigarette butt on the floor, but was smoking a vape at the time. Lee added, the officers are even finding dog walkers and searching their bags to see if they have poo bags. This is grossly wrong and invades your privacy, especially doing that in front of the general public. Without the police being present, how is it legal to search somebody's property? And he said another example had been, he'd been told of included a 90-year-old woman who had accidentally dropped her face mask. Lee said, this lady told me she didn't have the money to pay and now I worry that she had to pick between heating and eating. A Decorum Borough Council spokesman said, District Enforcement provides experienced and professional enviro crime officers who work under the direction and on behalf of ourselves. The officers follow current legislative guidelines and our enforcement policy. District officers receive intensive training and ongoing professional development to maintain high standards. They will also wear body cameras to capture interaction between officers and members of the public. We cannot comment on individual cases. Any complaints against the officers' conduct should be made in writing to decorum.council at district enforcement.co.uk and will be handled in line with established procedures. Cutting energy costs is needed now more than ever, the financial journalist and broadcaster Martin Lewis says. Prices are set to soar in this April this year after wholesale prices of gas and coal increased by around 51% or around £600 annually. 
Martin Lewis advises most people not to fix their current bills with deals companies are offering now, with the exception of a few existing customers. Speaking in his moneysavingexpert.co.uk newsletter, he said, Unsurprisingly, with this prediction, many are asking me if they should now move off the price cap to fix. After number crunching for most, it's still a no. But for the first time in many months, fixing may be worth it for a few. The deal, if the deal is no more than 40% higher than your current deal, you should look into whether it works for you. He said, if you're offered a fix that's no more than 40% costlier than your current price cap tariff, it's worth considering, especially if you value budgeting certainty. Martin has warned that locking in a deal now will leave you stuck with the price if they do get cheaper. He has said that most fixed deals that energy companies are offering at the moment are worth around 56% more than the cap, which will be introduced in April. Other tips for reducing energy bills include turn your thermostat down, fit a free water-saving showerhead, draft-proof your home, and cut your time in the shower. A woman who was already behind bars for theft has had her prison sentence extended after a CCTV appeal. Tamara Gayford, 49, from Hemel Hempstead, was already serving a six-month sentence at HMP Peterborough for a previous theft offence. A CCTV appeal was issued by Hertfordshire Constabulary after a woman had her handbag stolen while shopping in the Tesco store in the Brookfield Centre chess hunt. And thanks to the information from members of the public, Gayford was identified as the culprit. PC Andy Wise from the Offender Management Unit said, Gayford targeted an elderly, vulnerable woman in her 80s, stealing her handbag from her before attempting to use her bank card several times. She now has to serve an additional six months in prison. I hope she uses this time to reflect on her actions and the distress that she's caused her vulnerable victims. This case is a perfect example of why it's so important to contact us if you think you recognise someone in one of our CCTV appeals, because it means we can increase the number of convictions achieved and provide a possible outcome to vulnerable victims of crime. Sadly, there will always be people who take advantage, but there are some simple steps you can take to help keep your belongings safe while out and about. Make sure that you keep all purses, mobile phones and any other valuable items at the bottom of your bag. Always make sure it is fully zipped up and never leave it unattended. Wallets should be kept in front pockets. If you are approached in suspicious circumstances or feel uncomfortable, do not hesitate to walk away and report information to police. You can report information online or call the non-emergency number 101. More than half of decorum homes have energy efficiency ratings of band D or lower, figures reveal. Amid an energy crisis which is likely to see millions of people struggle to heat their homes. The government is being urged to make energy efficiency a national priority, 
after energy regulator Ofgem announced the cap on energy prices will increase by nearly £700 from April. Energy performance certificates show how effective a home is at keeping heat in, with ratings from A, the most efficient, to G, the least, meaning residents have to spend more on energy bills to keep warm. Figures from the Office of National Statistics show 58% of dwellings in Decorum had an EPC rating of band D or below in 2021. This was the same as the average across England. Ofgem announced the energy price cap will rise to a record £1,971 for a typical household as gas prices soar to unprecedented heights. This 54% increase will affect around 22 million households across Great Britain from the beginning of April, adding £693 to typical annual bills. The figures also show the median annual energy cost in decorum was an estimated £719 in 2020-21, below the English England average of £731. Analysis by the Regulatory Assistance Project shows that without energy efficiency measures already installed in UK homes, among the oldest and least energy efficient in Europe, bills could rise to as much as £3,000 a year on average. Separate figures from the Department for Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy show an estimated 7,095 households in decorum experienced fuel poverty in 2019, the latest statistics available. A household is fuel poor if they live in a property with low energy efficiency and would be pushed below the poverty line by housing costs and the energy bills needed to have a warm, well-lit home. Health chiefs across Hertfordshire and West Essex are drawing up plans to vaccinate all primary school children against COVID-19. Nationally, the government has already backed advice for children aged 5 to 11 who are in a clinical risk group or who live with someone who is immunosuppressed to be offered the COVID-19 vaccination. And across the Hearts and West Essex area, there were plans to start immunising that group of about 1,500 children from January the 31st. In a report submitted to a joint meeting of the area's clinical commissioning group, CCGs, it has emerged local health chiefs are already making plans to immunise healthy 5 to 11-year-olds too. But those plans would only be implemented if wholesale vaccination of primary-aged children was authorised nationally. The ongoing plans are highlighted in a primary care update report to a joint meeting of the three CCGs. Following the meeting, Beverly Flowers, Deputy CEO, Hearts Valleys, West Essex and Eastern North Hertfordshire CCGs said the vaccination of such a large number of children would be a considerable undertaking. She said the developing of plans would mean the vaccinations could be implemented quickly should national health chiefs give the go-ahead. Commenting on the vaccination of clinically vulnerable children, Ms Flowers added 
Anyone with a child in one of the eligible groups who hasn't had their invitation by 11th of February should then contact their GP for a vaccination appointment. Parents of eligible children who go to a special educational needs school will be contacted via their child's school. They will be asked to give their consent for their child having their vaccination while they are at their school. Over 40,000 households in decorum could receive £350 of government support to help protect them from the rising energy costs. On Thursday, February the 3rd, Chancellor Rishi Sunak announced a £9.1 billion energy bills rebate to support families with rising global energy prices. Recognising that growing cost of living pressures was the number one issue on people's minds, Rishi Sunak said this package would support hard-working families. The energy bills rebate will provide around 28 million households across the UK with an upfront discount on their bills worth £200. Energy suppliers will apply the discount to domestic electricity customers from October, with the government meeting the costs. The discount will then be automatically recovered from people's bills in equal £40 instalments over the next five years. This will begin from around 2023, when global wholesale gas prices are expected to come down. Households in England that are in council tax bands A to D will also receive a £150 rebate. The rebate bills will be made directly by local authorities from April. This will not need to be repaid. This one-off payment will benefit around 43,494 households in decorum. On top of this discount, discretionary funding of £144 million will also be provided to support vulnerable people and individuals on low incomes that do not pay council tax or that pay council tax for properties in bands E to H. The support package comes after energy regulator Ofgem announced an increase to the energy price cap as a result of the soaring global wholesale price of gas, which has quadrupled in the past year. This will see an almost £700 increase in energy bills for the average household from April the 1st. But as a result of the targeted energy bills rebate, the vast majority of households will receive £350 to reduce this cost. The Chancellor also confirmed plans to go ahead with existing proposals to expand eligibility for the warm home discount by almost a third, so that three million vulnerable households will now benefit, as well as the planned £10 uplift to £150 from October. The River Gade could be partially rerouted through a Hemel Hempstead Park in an effort to address flooding, new plans have revealed. Decorum Borough Council has submitted plans to realign part of the river, which would see it return to a more natural position when passing through Gaybridge Park. The plans say a new 10 metre wide sinuous channel will be created through the park from downstream of Whitebridge to the Queensway culvert. A planning statement submitted as part of the application outlines the need for development, 
saying human intervention has created an overwide and frequently perched channel, which has led to fine sediment being spread across the sides of the river. The application said this has led to heavy vegetation growth along the banks, which can creep into the channel and narrow the river, and requires continuous maintenance. As water spills out and down onto the parkland, the water can become trapped on the floodplain, which is why residents can see flooding in the park. The developers say there had been an option to fully realign the river by moving the channel to a natural position, but the partial realignment was selected as a preferred option. This would mean move the river close to its natural position while also keeping the northern portion of the park unaffected to host events and without impacting on the bowls club or parking spaces. The planning statement concludes, the scheme relates to a partial realignment of the River Gade through Gadebridge Park to improve the long-term natural condition of the channel through the park. In addition, the scheme improves the contribution of the river to the amenity and recre recreational value of the park as well as the overall river corridor. The applicant said any negative impacts during the construction work would be temporary and short-term. Residents can comment on the scheme. Reference 22-00143-MFA on the Council's planning portal until February 14th. And a, and, a, and a decision on the plans is expected at a meeting of the Development Management Committee on March 31st. We now come to the information slot, obituaries, what's on and more local news. Hertfordshire County Council has given notices on several temporary road closures, including the following. A414 St Albans Road, Hemel Hempstead. Bradford Road, Great Gadston, Cross Oak Road, Berkhamsted, Heath Close Road, Hemel Hempstead, High Street, London Road and King Street, Mark Yate, Maple Hill, Bovingdon, Risedale Hill, Hemel Hempstead, Stocks Road, Albury, Various Roads in Little Gadston and North Church, Abel Close, Hemel Hempstead, Cow Lane, Tring. Please contact the County Council on 0300 123 4047 for more information. Notice dated the 9th of February 2022, signed by Mark Kemp, Executive Director, Environment and Transport, County Hall, Hartford, SG 138DN. Future Luton, our proposed expansion of London Luton Airport and the statutory consultation between the 8th of February and the 4th of April 2022. What are the upsides? What are the downsides? How would you be affected? Find out more and have your say. In person at some of the following venues and in our virtual consultation room at lutonrising.org.uk. Luton, Mark Yate, Leighton Buzzard, Harpenden, 
Slipend, Tring and St Albans. Please see our website for full details, including times and dates, or contact us by email at futureluton at lutonrising.org.uk or leave a voicemail on 0800 538 Obituaries recorded on the family announcements page of this week's paper are Valerie Ann Waterton and Doreen May Wood. May they both rest in peace. And now for some of what's on. In the area of theatre, The Beautiful Game at the Old Town Hall, Hemel Hempstead, February the 16th. A comical look at our undying obsession with football, celebrating everything from weird matchday rituals to ridiculous armchair punditry. The Beautiful Game explores the highs and lows of football fandom. It may even attempt to explain the offside rule. Four women perform this ballsy, high-energy show, which is brimming with nostalgia and set to a backdrop of chant-along hits. The feel-good show promises to persuade even the most sceptical of the game's charms. Visit oldtownhall.co.uk to book. Sad Café at the Eric Morecambe Centre, Harpenden, on February the 12th. Original members Ian Wilson and bassist Des Tong are joined by longtime associate singer-songwriter Sue Quinn, the vocal talent of Barry James Thomas, and lead guitarist Dave Day. Also in the band are multi-instrumentalist Neil Shaw Hume, keyboard player Matt Steele, and drummer Brian Hargreaves. Expect their catalogue of chart hits, including Every Day Hurts and My Oh My. Support comes from Sunbirds, led by Beautiful South founding member Dave Hemingway. Visit solidentertainments.com to book. Assimilate at the Old Town Hall, Hemel Hempstead, on February the 17th. The alternative metal band from Watford promise heavy grooves, catchy balladry, and an energetic live show. Their second full-length album, Suffer in Silence, is out now. Support comes from Jamch and Spicy Ice Mums. The show is promoted by the award-winning Juice Box Live, which focuses on music from bands in decorum. This is the latest of its regular nights, giving acts the chance to play in their local area. The show is standing only. Visit oldtownhall.co.uk to book or for more information. This week in history. On February the 8th, 1976, 14 British mercenaries died by firing squad in Angola. On February the 8th last year, rescuers in India were working to rescue power plant workers trapped in a tunnel after part of a, a Himalayan glacier broke off and sent a wall of water and debris rushing down a mountain. On February the 9th, 1981, rock and roller Bill Haley died. And on February the 9th last year, a koala bear 
was rescued after causing a five-car pileup while trying to cross a six-lane motorway in Australia. On February 10, 1962, in Berlin, US spy plane pilot Gary Powers, shot down by the Russians, was exchanged for KGB agent Rudolf Abel, captured in New York five years earlier. And on February 10th last year, China's Tianwen-1 probe completed its journey to Mars's orbit in the first stage of an effort to land on the Red Planet. On February 11th, 1929, the 109 acres of the Vatican in Rome was made an independent sovereign state. On February 12th, 1924, Rhapsody in Blue by George Gershwin was first performed in New York. On February 13, 1945, hundreds of Allied planes bombed Dresden, devastating one of the world's most beautiful cities. And on February 13th last year, the Prince of Wales encouraged children to take up his half-term challenge and discover the natural world. And now some stats on how we're struggling to pay the bills. One in five adults in Britain found it difficult to pay their household bills in the last month compared to a year ago. Biggest issues included food and shopping at 89%, gas and electricity at 80% and fuel at 68%. 9% have been hit by the rising cost of living. This mean, rose to 27% for people aged 30 to 49, and the lowest was among those aged 70 or over at 8%. And 19% compared to a year ago found it difficult to very difficult to pay their usual household bills. This week in graphics, the cost of living rise hitting UK families. 27% are already struggling financially, with a further 30% anticipating financial problems in the very near future. 35.5% of 18 to 24 year olds are already struggling. 36% aged 55 over worry that the financial pinch will hit them soon. As 70% see wages stagnate or fall, inflation is predicted to increase to around 7% and the Bank of England is set to increase interest rates to 0.5%. The South East is the area most affected to date with 30% struggling financially and 22% of 18 to 34-year-olds taking a second job to make ends meet. Student Volunteering Week 2022 is the 21st year that the national celebration of student volunteering has taken place. This year it is taking place from February the 7th to the 13th. Student Volunteering Week celebrates student volunteering in the following ways. It improves student well-being, develops students' employability and contributes positively to the wider community life. This is a unique week-long opportunity during which the whole of the country will be getting involved. SVW gives you a great platform whether you're a student, university, college, 
students' union, charity or social enterprise to showcase your innovative projects and events. We hope you use this time to promote student volunteering and share your ideas, best practice and challenges with others. Why volunteer while a student? Why not should be the real question here. Of all the reasons why you should give it a try at least, here are a few. It strengthens your CV, it gets you out and about, and it builds your confidence. But you don't have to take our word for it. Naomi was one of our volunteers during the pandemic and ended up being an intern. Here is what she had to say. I have always wanted to be part of the voluntary sector, being able to brighten someone's day with little acts of kindness. I also like to build relationships with others in the communities so they aren't alone. At CAD, they value bringing people together and making them feel loved, especially during these hard times. There are so many new things I am learning while here at CAD that I wasn't aware of, which makes this opportunity so fulfilling. Another student volunteer, Alexandra, told us, Volunteering helps to create and foster a real sense of community and connects like-minded people together. It was something that I wasn't previously aware of, nor was it something that I'd previously been immersed in, immersed in. So having the opportunity to see the vital work that local voluntary organisations do, as well as introducing myself to the decorum community, was an opportunity I wasn't going to miss. Have a chat with any of the super lovely staff and volunteers at the Roundhouse in the middle of the Marlows, Hemel Hempstead. Tell them what you want and maybe we can help. Have you got a family member looking for a new career? Hertfordshire Fire and Rescue Service, HFRS, has launched its application process as it begins the search for the next generation of Hertfordshire firefighters. Applicants will have to make their way through a recruitment process that includes an assessment of potential, fitness tests and interviews. Executive Director of Community Protection and Chief Fire Officer Alex Woodman said, Being a firefighter is so much more than putting out fires. We're looking for people who have what it takes to be our future. The ideal candidate cares about their community, likes problem-solving, works well as part of a team and is resilient and physically fit. We welcome applicants that represent a cross-section of the community we serve as we continue to ensure our fire service is fit for the future. Find out more at hertfordshire.gov.uk forward slash be a firefighter. Fire chiefs in Hertfordshire have drawn up plans not to attend automated fire alarms at a number of retail outlets across the county, unless the alarm is confirmed to be a fire. The Fire and Rescue Service, operated by Hertfordshire County Council, agreed to pilot a similar approach to automated alarms at offices last year, in a bid to address the increasing number of false alarms attended by crews. As a result, whenever an automated fire alarm was triggered at office buildings within the pilot, the service would require independent confirmation from the premises or a passer-by before responding. 
According to data, the approach has cut the number of false alarms attended at those offices in the pilot by two-thirds, and now plans are being drawn up to extend the approach to a number of low-risk retail outlets too. Those retail businesses that will be impacted by the changes have already been contacted. And the plans were highlighted at a meeting of the Council's Public Health and Community Safety Cabinet panel on February 1st. A spokesman for Hertfordshire's Fire and Rescue said, Automatic fire alarm calls from shops and offices have historically made up a high proportion of the false alarms we are called to. Prior to the trial, each of the premises in scope were assessed and occupiers written to to explain this proposal. Following a six-month trial, we are confident that we can safely extend this policy and reduce the amount of time our crews spend responding to false alarms. This, in turn, reduces risk of associated delays at attending confirmed fires. We will continue to monitor the calls we get from automatic alarms and attend those outside the scope of this trial. Health chiefs across Hertfordshire and West Essex are aiming to reduce the number of face-to-face -face outpatient appointments by a third within two years. The aim is included in reports submitted to a meeting of clinical commissioning groups, CCGs, from across the region. It points to a strategy that will increase the volume of patients on patient-initiated follow-up where patients arrange their own appointments when needed rather than being offered routine follow-ups. And it aims to deliver one in four outpatient appointments remotely. It says it aims to increase efficiencies in outpatient services and to agree clear principles that enable the outpatient services and individual specialities to develop and deliver the required changes. Local health chiefs suggest that the approach will make it easier for patients to access face-to-face -face appointments when they need them, taking away the need to visit the clinic when they don't. Following the joint meeting, Beverly Flowers, Deputy CEO for Hearts Valleys, West Essex and Eastern North Hertfordshire CCGs, told the local democracy reporting service we're working with patients and clinicians to help put patients in control of the way they access outpatient follow-up care. For some people with a long-term condition, this could mean that they can reduce the time they spend attending routine hospital appointments at set times, with easier access to face-to-face -face specialist input when it's needed instead, when they have a flare-up of symptoms, for example. We know that for patients whose condition is stable, it's not always helpful to attend regular outpatient appointments. Sometimes these appointments do not result in any change to treatment plans, but they do require people to spend time and energy putting arrangements in place to attend their appointment. She also pointed to the use of online appointments as an alternative to face-to-face. -face. After years of planning and then building, the students and staff of Tring School are finally in their fabulous new building. Students and staff had their last day in the old school buildings on Thursday, December the 16th, and over Christmas and the new year, a lot of the furniture, equipment and materials were moved over into the new building. 
and on Tuesday, January the 11th, the children and staff had their first school day in the new facilities. The day started with every tutor group trying to find their way around the new facilities. The three-storey building takes some getting used to, and navigation and memory skills are definitely required. All routes eventually lead back to the dining hall, which is a bright and airy atrium that can seat 340 students for lunch or an assembly. Other highlights include state-of-the-art science labs, fantastic design and technology rooms, a well-stocked learning resource centre, and on the third floor, the sixth form centre with double aspect views of the Chilterns. The school also invested heavily in a bespoke space for student support. This is unique amongst recently built schools and includes spaces for the heads of houses, counselling services, emotional support and careers advice. A spokesman for Tring School said, the students are without doubt loving their new facilities. All of the teaching spaces feature extremely large windows which allow an optimum amount of natural light into the rooms. Temperature is controlled by sophisticated and highly efficient technology to make it one of the most energy efficient buildings in the country. So, it's taken seven years, but it's been worth the wait. The new Tring School building is fabulous. Other features of the new building include the double-height activity studio, half-sprung wooden floor, mirrored walls with ballet bars, sound and visual system, and a sports hall with grey pulastic flooring with multiple sports markings, high-spec cricket nets and mats, electronic scoreboard, socket post system for badminton, futsal, netball and handball, and swing-out basketball hoops. All of these facilities are available to the community as well as the school and will be fully integrated with the swimming pool in due course. Work has now started on the demolition of the original school frontage and the subsequent added art, design and technology blocks. Once this is complete, a landscape car park will be constructed featuring boulevards of trees, specially selected shrubs and discrete down lighting. This will be good news for the school's neighbours as it will take school buses and many cars off the road at the start and the end of the day. Inspectors visited George Street Primary School on November the 30th and December the 1st and have said it continues to be a good school. In the Ofsted report, which was recently published online, it says, Pupils are happy and proud to be part of this school. They love learning and especially enjoy reading stories. Pupils say that this is a great school to grow up in. Pupils and staff know each other well. All newcomers to the school are welcomed. Pupils respect their teachers and appreciate that they help them to achieve their best. They feel safe because they know that staff listen to and care about them. Pupils say that bullying is rare. When it does happen, staff are good at resolving it. Head teacher Angela Hughes said, We were delighted to receive such a positive report that clearly reflects the hard work of all our staff and celebrates the many faceted aspects of children's life at the school, which after all is what it's all about. What does the school do well and what does it need to do better? In the Ofsted report it says, 
leaders have created an ambitious and well-planned curriculum across all subjects. Subject leaders have made sure that teaching plans set out clearly the essential knowledge and skills that pupils need to learn from the beginning of nursery to the end of year six. Teachers encourage pupils to recall what they've learned previously. Pupils use this knowledge to tackle more challenging work or help them find out about new things. In English and mathematics, teachers skillfully check what pupils know and can do. They use this information to plan the right content for the next lessons. In other subjects, teachers do not assess pupils' progress as effectively. Teaching does not always support pupils to build on their knowledge and understanding over time. Leaders have created a happy and united school community. Staff feel they are valued and that their views matter. There is a strong sense of teamwork and cooperation throughout the school. In discussion with the head teacher, the inspector agreed that the impact of the school's improved curriculum on pupils' achievement may usefully serve as a focus for the next inspection. The report can be downloaded from the Ofsted website. Proposals to make British Sign Language, BSL, an official language of the United Kingdom have been backed by Hemel Hempstead's MP. Sir Mike Penning spoke in Parliament last Friday in support of a private member's bill that would see that happen, and also aims to set up a British Sign Language Council to promote and advise on the use of BSL in public services. Sir Mike, who co-sponsored the bill, is a patron of the Hertfordshire Hearing Advisory Service and a long-time campaigner on deaf issues. The bill passed a second reading and has secured government support and now moves to the committee stage. Speaking after the debate, Sir Mike said, This bill builds on the work done back in 2003 when the UK government formally recognised BSL as a language in its own right. We now want to go further and get BSL recognised as the UK's fourth official language. Many people don't realise that for many deaf people, BSL is their first language. In fact, there are many hearing people for whom BSL is their first language as well, as is the case for Rosie Cooper MP, who introduced the bill and whose parents were both deaf. We are coming to the end of this week's news. Sunrise and sunset times for this weekend are 7.20 to 17.10. Don't forget, for those with access to the internet, our news is uploaded to our website soon after the recording each week on Thursday evening. This can be found by visiting dtnhemel.org.uk. For those who are listening on this week's news on Memory Stick, Please remove your memory stick carefully from the player and re return it to us in the pouch provided. Turn the label over and post it back to us using any Royal Mail post box. No stamp is required. Thank you for listening. Until next time, it's goodbye from your readers, your technician Martin, and your editor this week, Fola. Goodbye. Goodbye.